0: Trust is vital to the creation and maintenance of a relationship. It's it's lifeblood. When you're able to trust someone, you're able to feel relief, a sense of safety because you think the other party won't betray you. You don't have to watch your back. But what happens when that trust is utterly obliterated because of radical ideology? I'm your host Hepburn and you're listening to the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast, a true crime podcast dedicated to exposing the many misdeeds and abuses done to animals. And every week I'll be covering a new animal abuse case. Today I'll be covering the murder of Maya. In 2014, two PETA employees, Notoria Carey and Jennifer Wood, stepped out of their car, and examined their surroundings. They were in a mobile park called Dreamland 2 in Parksley, Virginia, and were called in by the park's owner or manager to remove dogs left behind by previous tenants. But instead of capturing the dogs, they started to do something else. They strangely started to ingratiate themselves into the park community. To begin their assimilation into the community, they promised the residents that they were going to find new homes for the dogs and that they could come back later if anyone needed them to vaccinate or fix their pets. More at ease with their presence and their seemingly altruistic intentions, the community began to trust them. One of the families who believed in Carrie and Woods' words was the Zorates. After talking to Carrie, Woods, and other Beta associates, the Zorates set up a vaccination date for their three-year-old dog This three year old dog was a Chihuahua named Maya. Wilbur Zarate gave his young daughter, Cynthia, Maya as a Christmas gift in 2011. And ever since that day, Cynthia and Maya were inseparable. Cynthia was the person closest to Maya. She loved her so much that she played with her every single day, and every day after school, she would excitedly go home to be with Maya. But those simple and happy days, were about to be cut short. On October 18, 2014, the Zorates left Maya alone at home as they made a quick run to the market to get supplies and a new pillow for Maya. While they were gone, Carrie and Wood returned to the park. In court documents, Zarate alleged that Carrie and Woods entered the park knowing that they and others would be out. For Carrie and Woods, this would be the perfect time to quote, steal pets for the purpose of killing them, end quote. But why would PETA, an animal welfare organization that purports to love and have compassion for all animals, ever do that? Well, if I were to take an educated guess, PETA, in general, doesn't believe in pet ownership. On their website, they say, this selfish desire to possess animals and receive love from them causes immeasurable suffering which results from manipulating their breeding, selling or giving them away casually and depriving them of the opportunity to engage in their natural behavior. And that they are restricted to human homes where they must obey commands and can only eat, drink and even urinate when humans allow them to. Now. That's their belief, and that's okay to have these beliefs, but when a person or an organization makes the radical decision to kill healthy animals just because they don't believe animals should be anyone's pets is when lines are crossed. If you average out the percentage of animals killed in PETA's care from 1998 to 2019, you'll find that it's close to 84%. That means That when animals arrive at PETA, there is a really strong chance that they'll be killed instead of being adopted out. In fact, in 2019, it was reported that PETA received 2,421 cats and dogs and killed 1,578 of them. That's around 65% of the original population. Instead of trying to adopt hundreds of animals out, they instead only adopted out 29 animals which is just 1.1% of the original population they had, while transferring out 807 of them to other shelters, which is probably a better fate than staying at PETA. That 65% is actually considered pretty low compared to the highest kill rate. In 2006, a staggering 97.4%, and one of the highest kill percentage in 2014, 88%. PETA's kill percentage for that year was in stark contrast to the average euthanasia rate of 2% at private shelters in Virginia. In defense of their high kill rate, PETA said that it's due to the fact that they take in every single animal that comes their way, and many, apparently, are too sick to treat or are just unadoptable. And so, to put these animals out of their misery, they kill them. They say they only kill those who fit those two criteria. But what they did to Maya proves otherwise. When they saw Maya sitting on her porch, they knew they couldn't just walk in and take her, as that would be trespassing and thus breaking the law. So instead of getting in trouble themselves, they paid children to help them instead. And when the children couldn't get Maya off her porch, one of the two women entered the premise and took Maya. When the Zarates arrived home, they looked everywhere for Maya but couldn't find her anywhere. Not giving up, Wilbur looked at his surveillance footage and to his shock and horror, he saw Carrie and Wood taking Maya from their porch and putting her in the van before driving off. Upon seeing this, Wilbur immediately called PETA, but wasn't able to reach anyone that day. But the next day, Wilbur's niece was lucky because she was able to connect with Carrie. She told her that her uncle wanted Maya back and that they knew they took her. When Carrie denied ever having come and taken Maya or any dogs, his niece revealed that they had surveillance footage of them doing it. Shocked, Carrie hung up. On October 21st, three days after Maya had been taken, Carrie and another PETA worker showed up at the Zorates' home. Instead of bringing Maya home, they gave the Zorates a fruit basket instead. This fruit basket was supposed to make up for the fact that they had euthanized Maya. Even worse was that they weren't truly there to apologize for Maya's death. According to Zorate, the reason they came over was to see where the surveillance cameras were, so that they could know how much of their illegal deeds were recorded. Beyond the obvious fact that this footage would be used against them if the Zorates pursued legal action, Pita and others were very hesitant for the film to be released because it would have marked the date in which Maya went missing. At this point, on October 21st, had Maya not been killed, she would have only been in PETA's custody for three days. In the state of Virginia, a shelter is legally bound not to euthanize an animal for at least five days. This amount of time would have given the Zorates, or anyone, enough time to retrieve it if they wanted to. Instead, PETA killed Maya the very day they took her. While it was hard for Wilbur to hear the news that their Maya had been killed, it was heartbreaking for Cynthia, who loved Maya to pieces. According to court documents, Cynthia, quote, experienced extensive and severe emotional distress. Among other things, she cried for weeks, became lethargic, lost sleep, refrained from eating, and lost weight. End quote. After seeing how terribly the death of Maya affected Cynthia, Wilbur knew that he had to do something about this because the people who killed Maya, the organization that killed Maya, should not be allowed to get away with murder. Justice had to be served. So, on November 23rd of 2015, the Zarate sued Harry Wood, and Pita for the unlawful death of Maya asking upwards of $9.5 million in damages. In response to the lawsuit, one of PETA's top lawyers, Jeffrey S. Kerr, said, It is a money grab against a charity that has been called to help a community did its best and made one tragic mistake for which it has tried hard to make amends. Those efforts have been refused. PETA will mount a vigorous and aggressive defense. Yet, even though PETA claimed no wrongdoing, they still ended up suspending Carrie and Wood. And in terms of punishment, that was probably the worst they got. Because the general attorney decided not to file charges against those two due to lack of evidence. The general attorney said that in order for them to be prosecuted, their taking of Maya had to have criminal intent, i.e., they had to have wanted to steal Maya. In addition, He said that Carrie and Wood only captured the dogs untethered and without collars, while animals that had collars and were tethered were not taken. Since Maya fell into the first group, Carrie and Wood believed that they could take her and thus was not doing anything wrong. This decision didn't sit well with many people. Most likely because Zarate had said that Carrie and Wood knew who Maya was. They knew that Maya had a family, so whether she had a collar, was tethered, or not, doesn't matter. They knew she was a pet, yet they still took her anyway. In addition, this footage of them stepping onto the Zarate's private property, the porch of the Zarate's family. Just in this action alone, they were breaking a law by trespassing. It doesn't matter if a dog was a stray or not. If it's on private property, what gives them the right to go inside? In addition, one of the women was keeping a lookout. If you're not doing anything wrong, why would you need to keep a lookout? That doesn't make sense. But apparently, those bits didn't matter because they weren't prosecuted. As for Pita, they didn't end up waging a vigorous and aggressive defense against the Zarates. Perhaps it was because they suddenly felt remorse for what they did to them. But it might be more strategic than that. Because had they gone into a full-blown trial, PETA would have had to answer for the deaths of hundreds of animals each year and an invasive investigation into their Norfolk, Virginia shelter. And for more unflattering information to potentially leak about them would, to put it kindly, be very unfortunate. So, probably to avoid this, they ended the battle with the Zorates in August of 2017 as PETA gave the grieving family as settlement. Moreover, PETA gave Virginia $500 for breaking its five-day hold law for animals taken into a shelter. After news of the settlement, the Zarate's lawyer said, The Zarate's felt that the settlement reflects the grievous loss of their beloved Maya, and it allows the Zarate's to bring some closure to a very painful chapter of their lives. They're glad that the case has been settled. Similarly, in a joint statement, Pita and Zarate said, Pita again apologizes and expresses its regrets to the Zarate family for the loss of their dog, Maya. Mr. Zarate acknowledges that this was an unfortunate mistake by Pita and the individuals involved, with no ill will toward the Zarate family. So, that's the murder of Maya. If you want to find out more about the Misty PETA, it's all online. And their good deeds are online too. And as always, remember to like, subscribe, and tell your friends or whoever about the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast. And please remember, if you are listening on Apple, if you like it, please remember to review the podcast because... The more good reviews it has, the higher the chances of it ranking and for people to find us. And that would really help with exposure. Also, you can follow VSF on Instagram. It's the period VSF period official. And you can sign the petition to make social media and streaming sites more vigilant regarding images of animals that are allowed to be uploaded. All the links will be in the show notes and on Podbean. And in terms of listener tales, I know I said that one would be read after the main story, but depending on how many submissions I get, I might just make an episode full of listener tales. So we'll see how that goes and just be on the lookout. I'll make an announcement on Instagram, so just be sure to to follow or just be sure to be subscribed and you'll see the upload. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. Until then, toodles! Thank you.